You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little Left Jab Productions present Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarin. The Schmada Kid. Boom! Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. I'm Dave Zarin. Joined as always. By a man who, and I've never said this before, is having a better week than Barack Obama and LeBron James combined. Dan Baker, DB, you're a master of the universe, relatively. Congratulations. LeBron Obama. Yes, Dan is doing better than these giants of the political and cultural landscape. Because they're having a rough time. Speaking mm-hmm. of having a rough time, joined by the hey. coach, Kevin McNutt. How you doing, coach? You know, Dave, I'm gonna, I got I to gotta tell the audience about, you know, in the, in the pre-production before the show, you would yeah. not shake hands with me, Mark, and, and <laughs> D.C. Dan. What was that all about? Let me tell you something. There's a rivalry. <laughs> and that yeah, rivalry got that right. begins today. And we dominate you, pal. <laughs> that rivalry begins <laughs> Nor today. Nor do we like you. Man, people, you know, this is a national show, and people don't even know you're making a University of Maryland Randy Edsel joke because nobody knows or cares. No, I, I, I don't I even know, either. and I went there. Yeah. No, no one even knew <laughs> no that. One, you no one, no, that was major news. Penn State I, and Maryland. Tell them about it, Dave. Uh, you know, that's. I think it's just so funny that you just said the sentence, that was major news, Penn State, Maryland. James Franklin. Those sentence, that sentence should yeah, never true. just operate together. <laughs> Penn State, who cares? Yeah. Maryland football. They have a football team? Apparently. It's amazing. I said to this Maryland graduate yesterday, I said to him, Hey man, are you going to any of the games this year? And he said, "Oh, I don't go to games ever since that time I passed out in the urine trough at Bird <laughs> Stadium and as a student." And I was just like, "You know what? That's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard." That was and a very s- different experience than I had. Yeah, that's because I mean, you were the person peeing on him when he was passed out. That's that, that was that was too far. Hey, Mark Whoa. Barry, how you doing, me, Mark? I don't know how I follow that. I don't. <laughs> that's because you just don't know Dan like I do. Apparently that was an inside not. joke. That was... <laughs> it was too inside. And things like that. Yeah, yeah. wink, right. wink. Hey, right. we got a hell of a show this week. <laughs> we are going to talk to Michael O'Keefe, a sports writer, sports writer for the New York Daily News, and he's been on the A Rod beat. We're going to talk to him about the latest revelations about Alex Rodriguez. Revol- revolutions, revelations. It's about Alex Rodriguez and answer the question, can Alex Rodriguez get any lower? Mm-hmm. It's kind of tough, especially when you uh, testify against your own cousin who got you your steroids to avoid jail time. That's a pretty low thing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about what that means for Alex Rodriguez's future on the New York Yankees. And we're going to talk to Patrick Ruby about a brilliant column that he wrote about Dan Snyder, which I got to talk about, about how Dan Snyder keeps his power. But after the break, you know what we're going to talk about, Coach? What's that, buddy? What we would ask Roger Goodell and other commissioners if oh we had them under oath. 
Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. The big news this week is Roger Goodell under oath in New York City getting cross-examined by an attorney for the NFL Players Association, Jeffrey Kessler, who's known as a shock. Ladies and gents, <laughs> Jeffrey Kessler will have Roger Goodell under oath, hand on a Bible, asking him what he knew and when he knew it about Ray Rice. People might remember the story. It's worth recounting. Um, in terms of this particular aspect of it, Ray Rice is trying to get back into the National Football League because he is saying that he is a victim of double jeopardy, basically that the league has suspended him twice. First, he got the two-game suspension, and then when the infamous videotape of Ray Rice knocking unconscious his then fiance Janae Palmer was released, the NFL ch- and Roger Goodell, who's, of course, judge, jury, and executioner of this process that's mm-hmm. called the personal conduct policy, he said that, oh, there's information that I see on this video that I did not see before. Forget two games. You are now indefinitely suspended. Ray Rice is saying, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I was honest from day one about what happened in that elevator. I was very regretful. I went into the commissioner's office and the commissioner looked at me and said, two games. This is only because of the public reaction to it. And of course, there's that other swirling question, which is, did Roger Goodell actually see the videotape way back when, or did he really, as he claims, see it for the first time when the grotesquely sexist gossip site TMZ put it on their website? Now, first and foremost, I I think Roger Goodell is a bottom-feeding commissioner. I have no idea how this man is still employed. It is stunning and shocking to me. I think it's absolutely outrageous that he pulls – forget a $40 million paycheck. I'm embarrassed that he gets $40. It's ridiculous. He doesn't – you know why? Because he is somebody who takes the best interests of the players and treats it like – toilet paper. Go, Dave, it's go. ridiculous. You have people who risk their heads, their brains, their families, their lives go, Dave, to play go. this sport, and he stands above them like he's Commissioner Kipling, and it's his grand white man's burden go, to civilize Dave, the savages. Listen to him. It go, makes Dave. me sick. It absolutely makes me sick. But but the, the I'm very intrigued go, by the idea of him being under oath, and it really got me thinking. You know, like, if we had Roger Goodell under oath, what would we ask him? <laughs> It's a real question. Like, if we had him under oath, what would we ask him? Now, I want to keep in mind, as as we do this little exercise, I wouldn't ask – like, remember, being under oath in a court of law is not the same thing as, like, getting sodium pentothal injected into your veins. It's not like we would look at him and be like, you know, do do, do you like to, uh, you know, like molest small dogs? Like, we wouldn't ask that. Because that would be a ridiculous question to ask somebody under oath. Say yes. <laughs> no, I mean, if someone's, no, but if someone's under sodium pentothal, you could ask him anything and have a blast. But this isn't sodium pentothal. This is under oath. Like looking at somebody and saying, "Look, you're risking perjuring yourself. You're risking going to prison." And it is germane to the case at hand. It is not, as lawyers say, beyond the boundary of scope. And so. Here's some things that I would ask Roger Goodell, and go I would Dave, love to go. know, Coach Mark, what you would ask Roger Goodell. <laughs> no, 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 it's all you. Go, Dave. No, 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 go. not all me. Go, but Dave, I got go. I, I've go, just Dave, three go. questions here. <laughs> like, the first is, Roger Goodell, I would say, what is in the NFL vault with regards to neuroscience and head injuries? How long has the NFL known that there is a connection between early onset dementia and playing in the National Football League? Because you guys have been performing science and data on this since the late 1970s, and yet we have no access to that data as a public. What's in the vault? 
I would ask him that question. I would also ask him, did you feel any sense of personal guilt or remorse when you did the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge while denying that there's any connection between ALS and playing in the National Football League? Did that make you feel kind of gross afterwards? I would just ask him that. Did you feel any sense of regret or pathos that you're dumping ice water on your head to stop a disease that you actually help perpetuate? And then the third. Go, Dave. Go. And just the third question. Would you hire you? I would ask him that question. Would you hire you? And you know why I would ask him that? Because he said at the height of the New Orleans Bounty Gate, blah, 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 ignorance is not an excuse. That's his most famous mm-hmm. quote from that because, mm-hmm. you know, some of the coaches, some of the players said, well, wait a minute. I didn't know this was happening. Uh, we turned out that this was a lot less than Roger Goodell ever said this was, uh, as the people of New Orleans will always remind you. But it's just that question laid out to him. <clears throat> would you hire you? And if he said yes, I would say, why? Why would you Cold hire you? Man, you're good. Coach. I can't believe I'm saying this on the air. You shouldn't say it on the air. I know. Because I'm lying, but that's no, my I know. story. I know. It sounds good, though. <laughs> but to you, Coach, what would you ask Roger Goodell? Good question. Maybe, uh, can I see you in a parking lot? No. Let me back. Under oath, he would be like, no, <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> Do you really like the players, or are they just inventory to you? Mm. And have him answer that question. Wow. That would be a very interesting question to ask because I remember the whole sodium pentothal thing. It's like, because he would probably say, we care about our players, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And then you could be like, okay, we now have you under oath to that effect. And then you could raise the issues of head injuries and things like that. Mm-hmm. Ah, interesting. interesting. <laughs> Coach, you're, you're a lawyer and, <laughs> at heart, my man. You're, a lawyer, you're, you're Jeffrey Kessler. What about you, Mark? What would you ask? I, I, th- I think my question would be revolving, do you see all the commercials for heads-up football and those sorts of mm. things and youth football? And what it does is it's supposed to kind of prevent those kind of really severe concussions and those sorts of things. But what we know about subconcussive hits and the sort of things building up and still causing brain injury, my question is, does the program work? Does it, I mean, does it do anything? And does it actually help prevent uh, the, the growth in CTE amongst youth? And what does that say about youth football? Wow. That's a great question because he wants to keep that pipeline flowing. Absolutely. I mean, like heads up football, there are ads everywhere. It's supposed to be this panacea that fixes everything mm-hmm. about football mm-hmm. in the future. And I just, I don't buy it. No, nor, nor should you. You know, if I, if I had him under oath, I would also just, just I, would, I would have to add, I, would just, I couldn't help but doing it. I would, I would really want to know. I'd be like, so what sponsors have come forward to you Ooh. and said they're disturbed by violence against women in the sport and what haven't? You know, because I would actually want to air, I would make him air some of the corporate dirty laundry. Like, because one of the really conspicuous names that you didn't, you heard about all kinds of corporations from Pepsi to hell, even the, the Pentagon, for goodness sakes. Like, about how they had expressed their concern. I mean, it was kind of hilarious at the Pentagon, like, expressing their concern about violence and the mistreatment of women. I mean, it's just like, did the Pentagon really? I mean, are, are you kidding? But it just gave you an idea about how vulnerable. The NFL was and Roger Goodell was that everybody's piling on one organization that you did not hear anything from was the Susan G. Komen Foundation, Mm -hmm. which has been criticized for being like hyper right wing and partisan beneath the sort of surface superficial. Let's all wear pink and save the boobies and all the rest of it. And by the way, uh, as someone who is related to a breast cancer survivor, you would be maybe people wouldn't be shocked. But there is a massive community Mm -hmm. of breast cancer survivors Mm -hmm. who hate Susan G. Komen, 
I cannot stand them. Mm-hmm. Feel like that they're exploited by Susan G. Komen. Really? Hate the fact that that Susan G. Komen, like what they raise their money for, um, namely like find the cure as opposed to like trying to make sure that more women, particularly poor women, have access to prevention and early treatment. All kinds of things that they're just furious at Susan G. Komen about, and the fact that Susan G. Komen actually gives a lot of money to fight reproductive health options mm-hmm. uh, for poor women, and so it's the sort of thing where people don't like them. But I would, I just would love to know that. Susan G. Komen, why, why, were you, why were they silent about violence against women? What does that say? Coach, you got a question yeah, for the man but, in the chair? Yeah, getting back to, to Roger, I'd like to ask him, Roger, you know, what pictures of what owners from the Christmas party do you have that allow you to keep your job? Oh, my so, God. Sort of like the one you asked earlier. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know it's I mean? so funny you say that. He, he should because, be gone. Because <laughs> we probably don't have time to do this, but I was wondering also about, like, if we had David Stern in the right. chair, what Uh-oh. we would ask him. I would totally be like, what did Donald Sterling have on you right. for 30 yeah, exactly. years? Exactly. would be a huge question I would want to know. I would finally want to know why Donald Sterling was protected for so many decades when he was so clearly an embarrassment to the league. Mm-hmm. And it's all coming out now. Yeah, I mean, it is great. Like, the, the, like a fifth-class organization in the second-largest media market in the United States. That was Donald <laughs> Sterling. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the stories of Blake Griffin, like, being led around by the hand that he was telling. Creepy. <laughs> but that's Donald Sterling. Mad creepy. And, of course, if we had Bud Selig in the chair, I would oh. be like, did you really not know what steroids were Come before on. 1998? Yeah. Is that true? <laughs> you like, is that true? You could, you could kind of buy it, though. He's got that look in his face. Yeah, no, I know, I remember, though, chanting steroids at Jose Canseco in yeah. Yankee Stadium in, like, 1988, and he would be, like, making muscles and stuff. <laughs> it was hilarious. But, hey, Bud Selig, though, you know, he lives in his own world. But, hey, you know, speaking of living in their own world, Alex Rodriguez, and we're going to talk after this break to Michael O'Keefe from the New York Daily News about the latest in the A-Rod Agonistes. You are on fire this segment, Dave. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom, we're back here in Edge of Sports Radio. Joined by the coach, Kevin Nutt. How you doing, coach? My man. And me, Mark. How you doing, me, Mark? Also, my man. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, we are joined now by a sports writer, sports writer from the New York Daily News, someone who has covered this A-Rod story nonstop, uh, and he has done, I mean, I just think amazing reporting on this subject. We want to talk to him about the recent revelations that came out in the Miami Herald that uh, in January, Alex Rodriguez effectively admitted everything in terms of steroids, what he took, when he took them, and he did so uh, to avoid prison time. And we're going to talk to him about that. So happy to have him on the show right now. Sorry about that little technical glitch. I'm back. I'm back. His name is Michael O'Keefe. Michael, how you doing, sir? Good. How are you, Dave? Uh, doing great. Doing great. Michael, quick question for you just from the start here. So the revelations that came out, they came out in the Miami Herald. Just for, for our people who aren't media savvy out there, how does the Miami Herald get something like a Justice Department leaked scoop? And are you surprised that this information was leaked? I'm not surprised at all. You know, we're talking about a really high-profile athlete. Uh, You know, there's obviously a lot of attention and uh, paid to him. Uh, You know, we reported earlier this week, uh, the day before the Herald, that uh, he had signed a proffer agreement with the uh, federal government. What that means is that he signed an agreement that uh, Rodriguez would tell the truth. He would be uh, open and honest and, and complete about his steroid use and what he knew about the biogenesis drug ring, and then in return, the government wouldn't use those statements against him. So 
there's just clearly people who are uh, uh, interested in getting these stories mm-hmm. out there to us as well as to the Miami Herald. You know, it could have come from any number of uh, people. Uh, once you have a document like that, you know, emails and photocopiers and all those things are pretty accessible for most people. So it only takes one person to leak it and then it can get out there. Was anything in that document actually surprising to you? I was surprised that he acknowledged that he had done steroids. Now, look at the time. He signs the proffer agreement, as we reported, on January... uh, No, I'm sorry. He was sent the proffer agreement on January 9th. His suspension is upheld on January 11th. He is screaming and yelling that he is innocent on January 11th, that he never used steroids, that he was a target of Major League Baseball, that the union didn't work for him. Then, a couple weeks later, like two weeks later, he is singing like a canary to the feds. Mm -hmm. I'm a little little shocked by his chutzpah. I wish I had stones that big, quite frankly. (laughs) And, I mean, I might as well ask you to play a psychoanalyst here. I mean, is this because he lives in a bubble of delusion? Is it, I mean, where does this come from? Like, how does he have the chutzpah? How does he have the, the grapefruits, if you will, to actually say to people over and over again, no, I did not do this, and then say to the federal government, of course I did it. How, how does one do that? A-Rod suffers from the worst combination of all, which I think is uh, arrogance and stupidity. And I think it's kind of coupled by the fact that he hires advisors who tell him what he wants to hear rather than what he should hear. And so, you know, he is in a bubble. He's, he's in an echo chamber in which people are telling him. We wrote a story earlier this year about a woman named Desiree Perez. She is a Jay-Z's right-hand woman at the 4040 Club. She is also very influential with his sports agency, and she was advising uh, A-Rod throughout this whole process. She was really the mastermind um, in terms of his strategy in fighting this steroid suspension. Now, Desiree Perez has got no formal legal training. Uh, She's a uh, convicted cocaine trafficker. She worked as a snitch for the federal government for a long time. She's hardly a credible person. She's hardly the kind of people you should be taking legal advice from. Wow. Uh, We're here talking to Michael O'Keefe from the New York Daily News about the the A-Rod revelations. I know that you think, because we talked about this uh, off the air, that there's going to be more that's going to emerge about A-Rod, what he did, and how he did it. Is there anything you feel comfortable telling us on the air at this point? Check our website in about a half an hour. Ooh, okay. We have a pretty pretty good story coming. It's www.nydailynews.com. So I'm curious about A-Rod's cousin, Yuri Sukart, if I'm pronouncing that right. My understanding is that he is still pleading innocent and of being a, a steroid trafficker, a PED trafficker, and prosecutors are using A-Rod's testimony for which he got immunity against him. Is it fair to say that Alex Rodriguez has dropped dime on his own cousin, the cousin who got him steroids in exchange for immunity? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Uh, you know, the, the government said in some papers filed uh, on Friday that he will be, uh, A-Rod will be a witness against Yuri Sukart. It's always been interesting to me, and I guess this goes to Rodriguez's character again, but, I mean, why did he have to drag Yuri into this in the first place? Remember in 2009 when he did his big steroid? Mia mm-hmm. Culpa did a big press conference, and he says, me and my cousin, one more naive than the other, decided this would be a good idea. Why did he have to say that? Now this guy, Yuri, has become known as, you know, the infamous cousin Yuri, the drug mule. Well, we understand, you know, Yuri's in really bad health. Um, 
Yuri has, uh, you know, we know that Yuri is uh, struggling financially, and that's one of the reasons why he demanded money from uh, A-Rod. We reported that earlier this week. Yeah, $900,000. Um, Alex Yeah, $900,000 in cash, and he got a job, uh, $75,000 a year job uh, for five years, and he got a house and some other perks. Um, but, uh, you know, it just... I, I, it is really shocking to me that you would turn on family like that. That, that to me, is pretty interesting, especially since it didn't have to be. A-Rod is the one who dragged his cousin into this in the first place. I don't want to uh, sound like I'm totally burying A-Rod, so I just want to ask you if we can give A-Rod the benefit of the doubt on one thing. Could, is there a scenario where Yuri Sukart may have been extorting Alex Rodriguez and he felt like the reason why he had to testify against him was a way to get Yuri off his back, like he would keep asking for more and more money, like he felt threatened in some way by his cousin? Is that plausible? Well, A-Rod hasn't addressed that. I wish he would. And, you know, that would certainly be a reasonable explanation. And, you know, A-Rod told the government that he thought uh, this letter that he had, that, that Yuri had a, a lawyer send to A-Rod was an extortion temp, attempt. And so, you know, if one man's ceiling is another man's floor. I guess it's all in perception. Uh, if I were A-Rod, that would certainly be what I would be saying right now. Because, mm, I mean, because otherwise it couldn't look worse. I mean, you're testifying against your own family who was your drug mule. I mean, it's um, I mean, you look at that. Very, yeah, I mean, and also, Yuri, if you go back, you know, look at Selena Roberts' book and, and some mm-hmm. other things that I've written about A-Rod over the years. Um, Yuri was uh, the guy who kind of stepped up for A-Rod when A-Rod was a kid. A-Rod's father famously walked out on the family when A-Rod was very young. And uh, it was a de- obviously it's a very devastating situation it would be for any young person um to have your father just walk away and never come back or not come back until you're uh, much older uh and yuri kind of you know took him under his wing he treated him like a little brother uh, he's not that much older than him i think he's maybe 10 10 or 12 years older than him or something like that but he treated him like a little brother and so this was a guy who was a paternal figure a, you know strong uh, male figure in his life for many years and 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 you know again it just kind of boggles me how you would do this to family. Yeah, uh, I mean, it just—I mean, all, I mean, there's the old expression, you know, pressure reveals character, and there's just something about this where any by any measure, Alex Rodriguez's character, like this, is one of those questions. It's almost philosophical, Michael. But when these revelations came out, my first thought was, can the collective opinion of Alex Rodriguez even get lower? And this is this is testing that, isn't it? Yeah, it might. It might. I, I don't. I don't know that it will get much lower. Now, I think a lot of this will depend on how he responds to all these issues and all you know, all this. He, he says he wants to come back to the Yankees. He'll be in spring training. Do you think that happens? Um, in February, there's going to be a big media horde following him around and asking these questions. And so, you know, th- this is just we've got another offseason of crazy Alex Rodriguez stuff. And how he handles himself in the wake of that, I think, will determine what his legacy will be. And and we think he is going to be back on the Yankees. There's no way around this. The Yankees are not going to just eat $61 million and send him home. I don't think so. I mean, you know, from the Yankees' perspective, he's pretty good for them right now because what else do they got? You know, yeah. Cheaters retired. A lot of these other stars that they have, Mark Teixeira and CC Sabathia and guys like that, are aging and they're injury prone. Mm-hmm. Um, a Rod, if nothing else, he'll put he'll put fannies in the seats. And you know, at the end of the day, he may not be a good human being, but he's a fabulous baseball player. And even at forty, you know, with all the injuries he's had and everything else, um, he he could really contribute to that team. 
Yeah, and I got to ask you, I, I know no one wants these stories to be about the media when there's actual substantive issues, but since we are saying that, you know, Selena Roberts and your team at the New York Daily News, I think both deserve a lot of plaudits for what's happening right now. I have to ask you about, is there going to be any fallout for your old buddy, Mike Francesa, the uh, self-proclaimed <laughs> king of New York radio, the person who put A-Rod on the show, and he's just like, what? It was just an Now he's saying it was just an interview. What? But, I mean, I, I listened to that interview you in real time and he basically did everything short of give Alex Rodriguez a foot rub and floss his toes and so yeah, yeah. he gave him a mani petty live on the air so <laughs> is, does, does Mike Francesa get any he's already, he already had Michael K take him to the woodshed I'm sure you saw that but any yeah. other fallout for Francesa does well, that Boomer come out and Carton were all over him this morning too they were ripping up I, you mm. know I look I just I think the guy you know Francesa doesn't look very credible when he comes but when he, when you act like a sycophant like that, and when you sort of you know take a side, and uh, it's a ridiculous side, uh, and you don't have any skepticism, you have the guy on your show a couple of times in the summer of 2013. You never once asked him about the MLB uh, biogenesis investigation. Never asked him if he used PEDs or anything like that. You, you just it, you're a sycophant, and I, I just he lost a lot of credibility with that. And I think you know now it's just going to get worse. Wow. Hey, his name's Michael O'Keefe. He writes for the New York Daily News. You can follow us. So, Mike, real quick, give us your Twitter follow so folks can keep up with what you're writing. I'm at, at uh, M-O-K-N-Y-D-N, uh, and you can also follow us at uh, NY Daily News uh, Sports IT. Awesome. I-Team for the investigative team, of course. Michael O'Keefe, thanks so much for joining us on Edge of Sports Radio. Dave, thanks for having me. That was Michael O'Keefe, ladies and gents. He's been on this story from jump. From jump, coach. I mean, it really, I mean, it shakes me up. I mean, I mean, this idea, like, you just got to think of your own family for a second and think, you know, at what price would you sell them down the river? Seriously. I don't know what's going to happen to A-Rod. Away, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, there we go. Coach, <laughs> boom, it's unbelievable. Too much hey, money we, stick, yeah, I tell you, man. Let's go to break right now. We'll be back right after this with Patrick Ruby. One, one, two, Don't one, two, move. Three, Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio. Our next guest is someone who would never sell out his cousin in exchange for immunity uh, because his cousin was his drug mule because he feels like a broader responsibility to his family as opposed to to his freedom. In other words, he is no A-Rod, and that's why we have him on the show. His name is Patrick Ruby. Patrick, how you Patrick. doing, sir? I'm good. Why are we running down A-Rod? Did I miss the party? <laughs> <laughs> why not? Did Last segment. Late? Yeah, did something happen? <laughs> nah, Patrick, man, I, I just, you know, I got to tell you, I think the fact that you have said to me that you will always defend your drug mule cousin is, to me, what makes you a person of higher character than Alex Rodriguez. Mm. I mean, forget the family part. It's a drug mule. It's a valuable commodity. Of course I'm going to defend it. Absolutely. Not everyone's willing to do that. If I was Alex Rodriguez, I'd be like, of course I'll defend him because who else would get me my drugs? That's right. <laughs> that, hey, hey Patrick, this show is about the two most despised people that that we could pick on in the show. Alex Rodriguez and now Dan Snyder, which you're going to talk about. Patrick, I mean, you wrote a great piece for Vice. Uh, Will will send it out in conjunction with the show again so people can read it. I've already tweeted it. Um, and you, your thesis about Dan Snyder is effectively that he may not be as inexplicably dumb as many of us think. Can you explain that, please? 
hear somebody, uh, you know, from around the country uh, looking at this whole team nickname controversy debate, look, even if you don't have necessarily an opinion on whether the nickname itself is offensive, inoffensive, whatever, whatever your personal feeling is, if you look at how Snyder and the franchise have handled this debate, and you look at sort of what seems to be a series of clumsy, you know, hand-fisted moves. I mean, my personal favorite was when they had a guy come on uh, on their own sort of uh, propaganda, you know, team-produced TV show who was basically claiming that he was a Native American chief uh, and, and he was okay with the name. And he was not a chief and he might not even be a Native American. Dennis right. had a nice piece on that. Uh, you know, but there's been a series of things like that. You know, Snyder going to USA Today and saying, I will never change the name, put that in all caps, just sort of being very defiant, uh, somewhat arrogant, you know, suing the Native Americans personally who mm -hmm. brought the case to the trademark uh, at a uh, patent and trademark board here in D.C., uh, you know, who are just basically trying to get the, the patent board to enforce federal law. On this yeah, nickname. on what grounds is he uh, suing them? Like that, that the news of, of the suit officially going forward came out over the weekend on November first. So right. this is very topical. On what grounds do you sue people for bringing a trademark case against you? You know, as, as far as I can, it seems like a very complicated legal argument around whether or not he actually should be able to bring that suit against those people. But it seems like he's somehow able to bring it uh, on some sort of loss of property grounds or some sort of maybe even a First Amendment type ground, which is I think it's very odd because his beef is really with the, the, the trademark the, the three judges. Yeah, the three judges who said, you know what, two of them said this is offensive and that violates the Laugham Act, which is this old 1940s law that you can't trademark uh, terms that are derogatory, essentially. Um, you know, but, but obviously, I don't think uh, Dan Snyder can go to the U.S. Congress and get that law changed necessarily, and I don't mm -hmm. think he can sue federal judges, so who can he sue? I guess he can, in theory do these five Native Americans. But again, it comes off like a small, petty bullying move. And that's what I mean. Like, Snyder's moves over, the team's moves over and over. They seem really stupid, even if you support them trying to keep the, keep the name. My point in case is this. They're not that stupid if you look at Dan Snyder through sort of a political analogy or lens. Yeah, he and that's like what I a, wanted to talk to you about. Like, yeah. what is the lens that you use, which, which had you determine, okay, like, this guy might be crazy as a fox. We just had Election Day, right? Mm -hmm. Think about Louie Gomer. Think about, like, and if, you're, and if, you're on, if you're on the right wing, think about the craziest, you know, Democrat out there in Congress. But think about the really far extreme candidates on either side or the incumbents on either side who are in these safe, gerrymandered districts. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't actually matter what they say. And in fact, why does it not matter what they say? The more they go to the left or go to the right, the more extreme they are, the better they do in their elections. Because there's no way they can, you know, they only have to worry. Like, you're, you're, a, you're a far-right Republican in Durham Manor District. You're not worried about your Democratic challenger. You don't have to move to the center and be moderate. You're worried about getting outflanked on the right by someone even crazier. So you have to amp up your extremism. And that's what I think is happening with the Snyder here. His constituents, you know, he's an incumbent. Gerrymandered district, his constituents are fans of the team here in D.C., here in this area. And mm -hmm. they've shown in polling that they're totally fine with this name. They like the name. Of course they do. They're fans of the team. Like, you know, I'm not saying every single fan likes it, but by and large, they're not thinking about all the larger context of 
his history and Native Americans and what they've been put through uh, by this country. They're just thinking about football. And, and, and if anything, you know, they get defensive when the name gets attacked. You know, it's a whole yeah, like, wait, you're saying I'm racist? <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah. I, I got to ask you um, about that particular point because you raised mm-hmm. this in the article about the whole idea of constituencies. Right. And do you think, based, I mean, you're a longtime Snyder watcher, you mm-hmm. watching this stuff. Do you think if hypothetically the polls showed 71% of people in the DMV ready for a name change instead of 71% supporting the name, do you think that would move Snyder, though? Because I, I had I doubts, think- like, would that actually make a dent for him? You know what? I think it would, and I think it would for a couple of reasons. So we, and we should, we should be clear about something. If 71% of people in this area or who identify as fans of the team say they're ready for a change, we need to define how ready. Does that, I mean, if those people are actually willing to start protesting the way we saw Native Americans protest this weekend in Minnesota, if even more than that, they're willing to actually turn off the TV or stop buying merchandise or stop buying tickets, Mm-hmm. And that, that's just like voters not voting for you. That's what will hurt Snyder, losing that money, losing that support, losing, you know, his cash cow getting hurt. But isn't that's that what hurt him. But that's the thing, though, like, isn't because isn't that because it's the to me, it's the question about, like, what does Snyder want more? The psychological right. benefits of feeling like he has constituents or is it about the money? Because as you well know, the crazy thing about the NFL is that unless you're the Cowboys, the money is pooled in terms of that merchandise. So they could get really hurt merchandise-wise, and they probably will be by this trademark thing. Right. But he's not going to see a big dent in his own pocketbook if the NFL as a whole is doing well. No, and that's the thing. But he would see a dent if people stopped going to games. He would see, he, and he would see a dent not only financially, but then I do think psychologically – if the fans here are turning on the name, like I said, if they're outside the stadium protesting, mm-hmm. if they've suddenly got a problem with it, you know, that's just, then it's just, then it becomes for him, it's bad business to keep the name. No matter how stubborn he feels about it, no matter how much he doesn't want to be told what to do, or no matter how much he likes the name personally, which I think all those three things are true, he's also like, look, for all his faults, he's pretty good at making money. He says, look, the team is a great ATM in terms of that regard. But the team is a great ATM for making money because of fan support, because of fan goodwill, because of you know, that run of success they had before he was here created so much goodwill, so much interest in this team. There's almost nothing he can, no matter how bad they've been since he's taken over, it's almost like there's nothing he can do to dent that. So it's a great income source, it's a great business for him. But if all of a sudden those same fans don't have that goodwill and that's coming suddenly because they don't like the name anymore, Absolutely, that would make him move on it. He's it is really interesting. Like, just for, for people out there who might not be familiar with the numbers, I find it fascinating that the Washington football team is in a, a relatively old and always marked as one of the worst stadiums in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. They haven't done boo, uh, except for a blip here and a blip there, in two decades. And yet they're still, from the last I saw, the third most valued franchise in the NFL behind the Cowboys, who have the mega stadium and our America's mm-hmm. team, and then the Patriots, who've had this unprecedented run of success over the last 15 years. So it's a pretty yeah. remarkable perch for them to have, given the perpetual mediocrity and the horrific facilities of the franchise. It speaks to that deep reservoir of goodwill we're talking about. They built, they built it up on Joe Gibbs. 
that run of Super Bowls in the 80s. They, and, and, and being sort of the only pro sports game in a transient town, they really, really built up this like generational reservoir of positive feelings. And, and you know, no matter how bad they are, listen to sports. I just listen to sports talk radio here locally. For all of you out there nationally, um, but whatever you hear about your local NFL team, like triple that on DC Sports Talk Radio. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, people live and die at this team. And no matter how bad they do the next year, we're going to the Super Bowl. It's just, it's, it's, it's sort of a, it's, 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 it's the only game in town compared to everything else. And like I said, he can bank on that. And the people that are feeling that so far, they're cool with the nickname. Maybe they don't personally like it, but they're not changing their behaviors to the team. They're not changing their spending habits. They're not turning off the TV. They're not turning away from the stadium. Yeah. And so that, that's what I mean. Like it's, it's just like a congressional representative in a district where it's so overwhelmingly the one party. That the one thing. There's no incentive then to move to the center. Right. And the one thing he could do to hurt himself would actually be to be a, a, a human being um, <laughs> and not this corrosive uh, cankersore of a person. Um, hey, Coach has a question for you, Coach. Patrick, sure. my man, tell me something because I, I, I can't get the, the flavor of what's happening here. Is mm-hmm. Dan Snyder and needing to change this name uh, for him, is he just on yachting in pristine, smooth waters or is he in a canoe Leaking, leaking, leaking water, and it's about to go down. Where is it? I, I don't know where it is. I think we're in between that. I don't know if we're about to go down, but like you know, the pressure is slowly ratcheting up. And I think you know the other pressure point outside of the again, we'll continue our political analogy. So there's no pressure really right now coming to him from his constituents, but there is some pressure starting to build, sort of let's say from the national party and mm. maybe from some of the bigger political donors who donate to that party. I don't think, you know, the NFL front office has been supportive of the nickname, but their rhetoric of support has actually ratcheted down over the last year and a half. It's become more controversial, which is pretty predictable. The last thing a league like the NFL wants is something controversial in any way. They want you just to enjoy football, and they want to sell tickets, and they want to sell games to TV, and they want to help their sponsors sell merchandise and products. Simple, right? Good business. And of course, we're seeing a slight change there. You know, I don't know if Pepsi is going to say to the NFL, "Hey, we don't want to be associated anymore uh, with a league that has a team that has that nickname." We're not there yet, but over time, if you see these really powerful commercials and you see these protests, and it just stays in the news, and you have this trademark decision, it's upheld, and the federal government is now saying, "This is a, you know, this is a slur. This is a derogatory term." That does kind of add up, and at some point, maybe you will see some sponsors say, you know what, Roger Goodell, other owners, you guys got to do something about this. We don't want this. We don't want to associate our brand with your brand and one of your sub-brands having this kind of name to it. Can we make a causal connection between Dan Snyder's 10-yeared corrosive horrificness around the name and the fact that the franchise itself has another three and six season and seem utterly rudderless because to me uh, the the i mean the merchandise sales actually are down but the team says it's not because of the name it's because the team's been terrible can we say there's a causal connection between one and the other i would love to believe that there's some sort of causal connection because i'm on the side of like they should really change this name it's offensive it doesn't make sense for a modern sports team to have that name um 
But I don't know if there's – I think it's too early to try to connect that. Uh, but I think, you know, you, you can say, if you believe in karma, you know, maybe if you're metaphysical, you can make that connection. Yeah. Um, I'm not there yet, but those of you out there listening who are, go ahead. Go for it. His name is Patrick Ruby. Patrick, first of all, congratulations on your position at Vice Sportsman. Very happy to see you there and very Thank happy you. to keep reading your writing. Great stuff, man. Thanks for joining us on Edge of Sports. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. Patrick Rudy, ladies and gents. We'll be back right after this to wrap up the show. Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. Boom, we're back here on Edge of Sports Radio to wrap up the show. I am so thrilled the Washington mm. Wizards are 4-1 to start the season. Fool's goal. Led Fool's by, goal. Fool's goal. Led by <laughs> shooting guard Garrett Temple coming out of nowhere. What? Garrett, oh, he's playing great. Garrett yeah. Temple's father was the person who integrated LSU, LSU Dale sir. Brown. And I remember we yep. had a whole interview with Dale Brown on this show talking yep. about that process, and yes. I did not know at the time that, that was Garrett Temple's dad. Yep. Amazing story. <laughs> Very interesting. Mike Wise, great article about it in the Washington Post. People should look it up. But the big NBA story, no one's talking about the Wiz because people are crazy. Instead, they're talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers starting the season at 1-3. and three. People <laughs> saying LeBron lost it. People saying this Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, they're just irredeemable losers, and it's just it's not going to come together. Raising statistics like Carmelo Anthony so far this year has more assists than Irving and Deion Waiters combined, which is insane. Uh, going to you, Coach Cavaliers, what do you think? As um, Rogers once said, relax. Wait a minute now. They open up at home. You know that game was just beyond everybody, even LeBron. So they lost at home, beat Chicago at Chicago, and then they lost, what, Portland and Utah? And Utah. Come on, man. I mean, who? how many teams are going to make that swing and not go one and three. So I, mean, I think a lot of teams beat the Knicks. I mean, why weren't the Knicks overwhelmed at that Cavs home game? Well, I mean, it's had, ridiculous. They, and they, I saw that game. It yeah. was it was intense for the first half of the first quarter, and then it was just like any damn game. LeBron Seriously. was on fumes that game, and he, he should was. be. His wife had they, well, they had a baby that Wednesday, I believe. All the hullabaloo that surrounded that it was just too much. And I know and to LeBron's credit, he didn't make an excuse. But he had one because if you if you just know what he goes through, what we don't we can't imagine it. But what he went through, you have to acknowledge that. So for, the, for that to happen and lose that game, that's a pass. And and these guys are just barely beyond handshakes. So you think for one be half fine. and one second that Michael Jordan at his best would not have met that moment. Michael Jordan would have done. And please don't start there. He would never have done anything as unselfish as LeBron did. I don't he even want to talk score, about. He did you. score thirty eight points with the flu You're in talking the about NBA Finals. Who says he had the flu? I, are I, you I even kidding go there. me? I I even go there. He's a phony. Like like you, (laughs) Michael Jordan is a proud ebony man. In that game, he was green. You could see the green. I don't recollect. Oh, I just remember that. Hey, for Coach Kevin McNutt, Mark Barry, Dan Baker, I'm Dave Zirin. We are out of here. I don't like peace. (laughs) Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.